Hello and welcome to Lit Service, where we are fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. I'm Caitlin. My biggest irrational fear as a child was probably of like my closet. I had super anxiety as a child and as an adult actually. I was terrified that either I would be kidnapped or that something terrifying would come out of my closet. So that's a real fear. I mean, it's irrational though. (laughs) I'm Kristen and uh, my biggest irrational fear was that I would be stuck on the International Space Station during an apocalypse or the rapture or something in which I had no way to get home. I mean, it's extremely irrational. There was no reason for me to believe that anything would ever happen because there was no reason for me to believe I'd end up in the space station. (laughs) I feel like that just tells you, like, you know how people, like, the the spirals of anxiety? (laughs) Like, how did you spiral Mm -hmm. quite that high? (laughs) I know. It was just like a big source of, well, what happens? Mm -hmm. What if I'm stuck up here? Yeah. All good questions. I'm I'm Aaliyah, and my irrational fear was that when I was little, you know, if I slept with my hair hanging off the side of the bed, penguins would come out and nibble it. Penguins? I think think I'd seen the March of the Penguins documentary. Mm. (laughs) Terrifying. (laughs) I'm pleased to report that this did not, in fact, occur. (laughs) (laughs) So we are going to talk this week about what we do once we've finished our first draft. So what do we do? What's our process? We celebrate writing a book's really freaking hard. And I just think the first thing you should do is pat yourself on the back, get yourself a little little treat, a little snack, and just exult in doing a hard thing. 100% agree. There are so few opportunities to celebrate. You have to take and milk every opportunity you get to celebrate in this field. Absolutely. I was just talking to somebody about being an author and... uh... He was like, so how is that? Like, is it hard? And I was like, well, people just tell me I'm really bad at writing all the time. That's my job. <laughs> like, so if, I think that any um, any opportunity you have to be like, I am awesome and I did a good job and pat yourself on the back, even though that's hard because I feel like a lot of authors are like, I know there's still everything wrong with it. Like, just take a moment and like give yourself that space. You need it. And then give yourself space from the work. Oh, yeah. Go celebrate. Then go for a walk. Give yourself a couple days, at least a full day, if not a week, maybe two weeks. Get some of the the debris blowing through your head so you can come back with fresh eyes. Maybe six months, maybe a year. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a super impatient writer, so, like, I have a hard time doing that. But, like, if you can put it aside and then come at it when you don't remember every single thing you've written, you're going to be in a much better frame of mind to start editing. Because... It's all in your brain already, so it all makes sense to you, but you're not a new reader. So, (laughs) yeah. So before you go back to your book, before you go back to editing, like a second draft, I think one of the most important things to do is to figure out how you're going to approach feedback on your work. So how do you guys approach that? Personally, I feedback is so helpful. Having a writing group, people who you trust and you think have a good eye for stories and a good eye for writing, invaluable. I don't like to get feedback on my first draft. I like to do a 1.5 draft or two two point draft, usually because there are enough big glaring errors that I already know how to fix that if I wasted, quote unquote, my alpha readers finding those errors, I wouldn't have fresh eyes when I need them to find things I can't find. But that's definitely not true for everybody. 
getting eyes on your draft right after finishing a first draft can be a great way to avoid having to rewrite huge sections of the plot that don't make sense to anyone but to you. Absolutely. I mean, my process right now is to, I get uh, feedback as I'm writing because I, you know, our last two episodes ago, we talked to Martha Wells, who talks about how she goes through her book, finds the voice, and then goes back and rewrites. And I'm very similar to that. That entire episode, I was like, yes, she's professional. She's awesome. She writes just like me. Um, like it's a big, uh, you know, it's a disaster all the time until suddenly it's a book. But, um, so I need feedback at the beginning as I'm figuring things out because my lovely writing group can tell me when I'm making really stupid mistakes or things that they bring out. They're like, what about this? I'm like, what about that? And then it helps and becomes a big plot point. But then, um, like Ali is saying, I need somebody to look at the whole picture and it's not fair to have my writing group do that both because it's a lot of reading and because they've already read it. So they can't really help me as much anymore. So I have a separate group of people who give me feedback after it's finished. So they're looking at it as a whole product. I, I feel like both kinds of feedback have their place. I really like having feedback, even though it's a hot mess. I like having feedback on individual scenes while I'm writing because like Caitlin said, I think that like, well, why aren't they doing this? I am ex excited to see that you're going to do this in the future. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I am. I guess I am. I guess I have to because that's a promise I didn't realize I was making. Yeah. So having that like upfront, that is really useful to me. But I, I think you guys are right in saying that it's because we like trust each other and we've worked up to like, oh, yeah, their feedback's actually probably going to be useful to me. So in terms of like an overall draft, once I've finished a draft, it's nice just to send that to somebody and have them read it. But generally somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to writing because uh, sending it to like someone who loves you and who doesn't read a lot and is just going to give you like, oh, that was great. That has its place. But in terms of like editing, it's not exactly useful. So finding people who are going to actually look at the story holistically rather than like with their heart, <laughs> that's, that's helpful. Well, and also, I feel like it's very valuable to have people with designated jobs. I have cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Their job is to tell me I'm awesome. Not because mm -hmm. I am, but because as a writer, you need somebody telling you you're awesome through all the parts exactly. where you're not being awesome. And then I have people who know how to give feedback in a way that is constructive and critical, but not um, egotistical, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so pick and choose who you ask to give feedback. And sometimes that takes a little bit of trial and error. Um, so. I guess I probably should have uh, said this question the way that it was actually phrased, which is how can you, well, when do you let your let people read your stuff or how do you work yourself up to it if you're not comfortable with it yet? Okay, this is a great, a great time to confess a thing, which is that for many years I was not comfortable with people reading my stuff. And so I found a way to post it anonymously online mm -hmm. and having feedback from people who could not connect it to my life or psychoanalyze me or figure out what my specific traumas were, was so useful. Um, there were less concerns, I think, about like AI stealing my work 10 or 12 years ago, but <laughs> I still think there's a place for, um, if you're not comfortable with your work being connected with you, there, there are ways to, to stay a little bit anonymous and let people who don't know you and will never see you in real life read your work and comment on that. And that can be really helpful. Absolutely. Well, and also... I do think that it's it's legitimate to have those fears. Like I mm -hmm. still, when somebody I know is like, oh, you're a writer. Let me go get your books. I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. 
cool. Like if it's not somebody who's part of the writing world, like um, at church the other mm-hmm. day, I had somebody grab me and be like, oh, you're a real writer. Like you have real books. And I'm like, whatever that means. Sure. And she's like, I, I got one at the library. I'm reading it right now. I'm like, don't talk to me about it ever again. Thanks. <laughs> so like it's still hard even as somebody who writes books and I know that people read them. But like at the beginning when I was like afraid that people would associate me with like the stuff that came out of my head, that's legitimate. And just I, I love that Kristen has this way to kind of slowly work into it. Um, I never did that. I did have a long distance writing group for a while. And then see that that's yeah. a great way to do it, too. So and they were people I didn't know very well. And they turned out to be yeah. a bad writing group. But it's OK because <laughs> it got me over being worried about people writing my work. But I also think it's really valuable to be in a writing group situation where you switch and you read somebody else's work and you're like, oh, they're normal, too. Like they're a normal person, too. So how do you organize the edits and the uh, suggestions that you get after you've been given feedback? Something that can make this um, at least a starting point, a launching pad for the second draft is to jot down things you want to come back to while you're writing the first draft. First draft is a time to get words on the page, a time to do the rough sketch before you come in and layer in the details, other colors, light, shadowing, um, all those beautiful things on another draft. But it's really helpful when you're passing by a place where the dialogue doesn't work or the character motivations are really snarly. Just leave yourself a little comment in the margins and then you can pull all those comments into a Word document as kind of a starting place to help you see overall roughly how much work you want to accomplish in this draft. And then you can cut it down into bite-sized pieces. What, what do you do, Caitlin? Well, right. I mean, most people who read my entire books tend to be other writers or an editor. And so they tend to give me something like an edit letter, which is already organized for me. They're like, here are your characters. Here's why they suck. Here's why they were okay in some places, you know. Or they're like, plot. They're like, it was really boring from page 300 to page 600. What are you going to do about that? So like... I I have external organization, but sometimes when I'm not working with an editor, I'll impose that on myself where I'd be like, okay, my editor writes me a letter that looks like this. She talks about characters. She talks about the plot. She talks about the pacing. She talks about this and this and this. So I go through and look at all the feedback I've received. I'm like, here is a plot thing. Five people all said it was boring from page 300 to page 600. It probably was. So I'm going to fix that. So, I mean, and feedback is really subjective. So you have to make sure that it's not one person's problem, but it's a general problem. And then as you have your general problem, everybody mentioned that they had no idea what you were talking about with some metaphor. Then, I mean, that's line level stuff, but probably nobody will understand what you're talking about and you should fix it. I honestly just have 8 million drafts where I do things different. So I have a really stupid uh, file naming system where it'll be like three artists, first person, Gabriel, chapter one. Like, it'll just be, like, hyper-specific so I know which version is what. And if I need to drag something out of a previous version to fix a problem or if there's, like, a particular turn of phrase or, like, a scene that I'd really like to steal from an earlier version because I shouldn't have gotten rid of it, what was I thinking, then I can go back and know, like, exactly what what changes have been made, where I came from, how I got here, and how can I undo everything I did, you know? (laughs) I absolutely do that too. Every new draft, I'm like, this is the draft for my editor. This is the draft for my agent. This is the draft where I change the POV to a different person. You know, like I name, yeah, I do that too. Uh, On a small sidebar, that is also how it flies, at least in my professional circles, because I got a proof today that was like, title of the book, 
3 p.m. <laughs> just to like <laughs> make sure that it wasn't the previous version. I had a good laugh about it. That's awesome. So um, thanks for coming along with us on this season about writing a novel from start to finish. If you have a friend who's wanting to join the writing community, send this season their way. We hope that the things we've talked about can be as helpful to them as they've been to us. Thanks for coming on this journey with us. We will be back with another fantastic season in two weeks or when we feel like it. If you enjoyed today's show, remember to follow and leave a review on your favorite podcasting platform and tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at litservicepodcast at gmail.com or learn more on our site at litservicepodcast.wixsite.com slash litnation. You can also find special stenciled editions of books from our guests on our store there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.